0: You are listening to Revelation Revealed, where we debunk 10 common myths about the strangest book in the Bible. We're going to look at myth number six today, which is that we will be raptured. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, Rapture theology is very common in North America. Uh, It's something that maybe you grew up uh, hearing about or watching movies about or reading books about, hearing sermons about it. And what's interesting about the rapture, and I'll explain what that is commonly understood as, is that that concept actually isn't in the book of Revelation. Revelation doesn't mention a rapture, but it's often associated with it. Uh, So the two texts we're going to look at today actually are outside of Revelation. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So those are the two rapture passages, and it's not in Revelation at all. So that's an interesting little factoid there. What do we talk about when we talk about the rapture? Well, generally in the American mind, the rapture isn't an event before Jesus Christ returns to set up his earthly kingdom, before he returns, in which Jesus comes secretly to catch up or snatch up his church to him. And uh, they will, uh, in being snatched up, they will avoid the seven years of judgment that God is going to reign upon the earth before Jesus returns publicly. So just if you think about it, this is where we get all the imagery of, you know, piles of clothes appearing because people disappear or cars suddenly not having drivers uh, because God has caught up everybody, snatched them up uh, and brought them to heaven before God unleashes his judgment on the world. Now, I don't think that this is the actual correct interpretation of either Luke chapter or Matthew 24 or 1 Thessalonians 4. In fact, I think it's the opposite, that what people are referring to as the rapture is not about believers leaving earth to go to heaven, but rather believers ushering God's kingdom of heaven down to earth. It's not about going up to Jesus alone, it's going up to meet him, to bring him into the world at his second coming. It might sound a little confusing, but just bear with me and I'll explain it. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 24. There's a few details in Matthew 24 that we need to take into account. Now, the the actual verses have to do with Matthew writing about uh, this scene where one man is working in the field and the other is taken away. Okay, so there's all these couplets, two people in a certain place, and one of them is taken away, one of them is left behind. Okay, so that is where we get that common imagery of people being, of just disappearing, you know, because God takes them, God raptures them. And that is often used as a proof text for that theology. And uh, the interesting thing about this interpretation is that it is a relatively new interpretation of Matthew chapter 24, uh, so maybe you grew up and you were afraid that you know because you sinned too much or you didn't make the cut that you would walk home and your family would be gone, just piles of clothes there, or you'd go to school and you'd be the only one left. You didn't get the ticket. You didn't get raptured, and now you're going to face uh, a lot of trouble on earth. But again, that, that this has not existed. This way of thinking about Matthew 24 did not exist prior to the 19th century. Okay, that's the 1800s. This is a a new phenomenon. Nobody in church history ever interpreted uh, this passage in Matthew in that way. Now, what you need to understand is that a lot of the left behind series and a lot of the sort of popular ways of understanding end times flows from a relatively new movement started by a group called what they're they're called dispensationalists. Now, they're not all bad guys or anything like that, but it's a particular stream of American Christianity that popularized this view of the rapture. How do we deal with this? Well, first, we need to understand, again, what is the context of Matthew 24? What is Matthew 24 talking about? And once we establish that context, we can look at the individual verses and see how they fit in. So the beginning of Matthew 24 is what's called the Olivet Discourse. This is when Jesus is telling his disciples about the destruction of the temple. He predicts that God in retaliation against Israel for crucifying him or for judging him uh, is going to face a massive judgment. They're gonna face the destruction of their temple, which is the center of Jewish life, okay? And that's what's about to happen. And that does happen 40 years after Jesus uh, is crucified and, and risen, Uh, in 70 AD, when God sends the Roman armies into Israel to destroy the entire city. So that's the context. He's talking about the the soon-to-come destruction of the temple. The other piece of context is right before Jesus talks about one man in a field and the other one is taken away, he mentions Noah. And he says that the judgment that's coming on Israel is going to be as sudden and as chaotic as the flood was in Noah's day. This is really important to key in on. In Noah's day, to be taken up was not to escape judgment, it was to be judged. And to be left behind was not to be uh, a victim of judgment, but to be spared. So if you're Noah and you're left behind from the flood, you survived it. You made it through. That's good. And if in Noah's day, if you were taken away, that means this flood got you. So it's actually the flip of what dispensationalists or what common rapture theology says. The person who's taken away, that's the one who faces judgment. And the person who remains is the one who survives. So Matthew 24 is describing the chaos of God's judgment when he, when he destroys the temple in 70 AD. And it's going to be so sudden that two people are going to be in a field and one of them's going to die. The other one's going to survive. And you need to be ready. And that's, that's the whole goal. Jesus says, look, be ready. Get out of the city. Be ready for when this happens so you're not caught up in it. So Matthew 24 is not about people disappearing randomly while other people are left behind. But rather, it's about some people being uh, killed in the coming judgment against Jerusalem and some people surviving it. So to be left behind is actually more advantageous. That's, that's the sign of salvation and not of destruction. The second passage that supports rapture theology, or so-called rapture theology, is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Now, there's one particular verse here where it says that when the Lord returns, uh, those who are dead will rise from their graves, that's the resurrection, and Paul writes, we who are alive when Jesus returns will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord Jesus in the clouds. And that phrase caught up in the air is what people often interpret as the rapture, where believers, again, will disappear. They will be, the clothes will fall to the ground and their bodies will be uh, gone and will be caught up into heaven forever. And that's the, again, that's the rapture idea. Now, there's a few problems with this. Again, context. As I said before, with the book of Revelation, we don't want to interpret it as 21st century audiences but as first century audiences. What did the first century understand when it read this language about being caught up into the air? Well, in the first century mind, this is the idea of meeting a king when he comes back from battle, right? In the ancient world, when your king would leave the city, go to battle, he would come back and all the people, all the citizens in the city would rush out to the gate to meet him, to usher him back into the city so that he would continue his rule. So this isn't a going away. This is a meeting the king to go back into the city. So that's why we have, you know, uh, the voice of an archangel. We have a trumpet blowing before this event happens in 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the royal entrance of a king coming back into his kingdom. So again, this is not about us leaving to go to heaven, but rather us When Jesus returns, those who are dead will be resurrected, but we too will be transformed. Since we're not dead, we won't need to be resurrected, but if you're alive when Jesus comes back, your body will be transformed into your resurrection body, and you're going to meet Jesus where he's at as he returns, and you're going to come with Jesus back into the world. So again, it's not about us leaving to go to heaven. It's about us going with Jesus to bring heaven here, to bring Jesus' kingdom here here. So the rapture, what people are calling the rapture, is really the resurrection. It is us being transformed into our eternal bodies to meet Jesus, to bring him to earth as the returning king. It's about bringing heaven here. And here's the big takeaway. This is meant to encourage us. Paul says, I want you to hear this and to always encourage one another with this truth, that we have this powerful hope that death in this life, is not the end of our life. That we have an eternity to look forward to and that Jesus really is coming back. So even though there are misconceptions about the rapture through popular culture, there is still a deep hope. That our hope isn't ultimately being disembodied and going away into an invisible world. But our hope is ultimately that we will be embodied, that we will be resurrected from the dead. And that this world, which is fallen, will one day be renewed. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to follow us. Be sure to subscribe. And uh, also uh, follow us on Four Oaks College. Uh, That's our Instagram tag where you can watch this on Instagram TV.